person and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart. This man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So there's a few different ideas in these verses. I want to go back to verse 19. This is good theology. Verse 19 is great theology for relationships, if you haven't known that. Three main points of how to have a successful relationship. These aren't the only ones that are important, but they definitely are important. Everyone must be what? Quick to what? Quick to hear. Second one is? Slow to speak. Third one is? Slow to anger. Um, This whole issue of words, this is why I love um, doing verse by verse, because there's so many topics that we wouldn't normally, they just don't seem to flow or fit in necessarily to a Sunday morning kind of a message, but they're scripture and all scripture is inspired and is profitable and we need all of this. And so this is great because we get to touch on all of these topics that are really, really important, but we don't get to mention everything obviously in Sunday services. Everyone be quick to hear. So listen, this is good advice. This is always good advice in marriage. Close this. Listen. Look at your spouse in the face (laughs) when they're talking. Put down the device. Turn off the TV. Put down the book or the magazine, whatever you have. Just undivided attention. Such easy and good advice um, would save lots of aggravation. If you are not married yet, Um, It would be great for you to develop these habits when someone is talking to you because if your spouse is talking to you and you're doing something else and not looking at them, then they think that you don't care about what they say. Um, Simple as that, and that's super good practical theology, okay? This is practical theology. When your spouse or your friend or anyone Do you know one way that you let people know that you care about them? Is that you look at them, you smile at them with your eyes, you touch them, you do those things that connect with them and said, you know what? You're communicating. Let me me tell you a good key to relationships. You communicate to people that you like them. And when you look somebody in the eye, you you think, what are we doing? I thought we were teaching the Bible. This is the Bible. Our calling is to love, right? What is the first command? Love God and to love neighbor. So it would be good for us to learn how to love one another. One of the ways that we love one another is that we communicate to one another that I like you. I see Jesus in you. You're important enough to me for me to stop what I'm doing, to look at you in the eye and say, how are you doing? (laughs) It's good to see you. It's not smoke. It's real. But so often in our culture, we, we're so busy with things, and we just need to train ourselves to stop, to look at somebody in the eye, and say, how are you doing? You, you, so often the Holy Spirit connects. Do, do you know the Holy Spirit connects in relationships like that? When we take time to connect with somebody, then very often the Holy Spirit will quicken something, and something will start to happen. Have you not noticed that? If you walk by and don't look at somebody and say, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Like, there, there's no good chance for the Holy Spirit to connect in that. But if you look into somebody in the eye, smile, says practical theology, and say, how, how are you doing? Are you doing well? Um, sometimes you can see something. Sometimes they'll be honest enough to go, no, this week stunk. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray. You don't know what can happen when you just make simple connections like this. But above all things, if you're married or you aspire to be married, make sure that you do this. I said make sure that you do this. Can anybody who's married say amen? Amen. How many wives have been irritated with their husband because they're so busy and they get spoken to and they don't look up and they just respond and go on with what they're doing? Come on, guys. Toes. Can, Can any wives say amen? 
You're brave if you said it with your husband next to you, but it's, it's the case. This is true. Listen, think before we speak. This is practical ways. You know what we're talking about here? This, this is crazy. We're talking about how to love one another. We, you know, you know one of the horrific things, the, the, the internet and social media, as you know, has a, a, a high upside can be used for the promotion of the gospel and connecting and all that, but it also has a very high downside for immature people who post things that they don't think about at all when they're not looking somebody in the face and they do great damage and destroy relationships by acting like a fool. How many know what two of the big characteristics of the fool in the book of Proverbs are? One is they don't listen. They won't listen. The second one is they run their mouth all the time. The Bible says that fools are babblers. They just run their mouth. There's no governor between what comes into their head and what comes out of their mouth. This is not a good state. This is not a good Christian witness. Okay, It's a very practical theology. Fools run their mouth and don't think and don't listen. We are slow to speak. We think before we speak. This is at the heart of what builds good relationships. Um, so we're slow to speak. And here's what is striking me again. When I was a young Christian, um, younger Christian, This whole idea of words and in the book of Proverbs, how many, how many have read Proverbs lately? Like there are so many verses about the power of our words and what we say, how destructive or how constructive they can be, how important it is to rein them in. And a lot of James's ideas you're going to see in these verses, he draws from Proverbs and he draws from the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus. He, he draws from the practical. James is this kind of a guy. If you're really a believer then show me and prove it. Don't go around talking about how spiritual you are and you can't even have a good godly relationship and you have irritation in half of the relationships that you have in your life. He's going, don't, don't do that. You're not telling the truth. So at the heart and at the base of us loving one another is learning how to listen, learning how to be slow to speak, quick to hear. But our words have consequences. In our culture, words don't, or at least it's not thought that they do. You can say hurtful, cutting, destructive things. They, how many know the media is full of these things? How many know that these posts, like I can't even read, but well, you know, you guys know. You, you see these, these posts underneath articles on the internet, and I, I just can't believe that people talk like that to each other. They're, it's just so destructive. I'm not, I just feel grieved in my spirit. Like, what? Really? Is this the way you want to live? All you're going to do is just tear it. It's just personal assassination. You don't even know these people, and yet your whole thing is to personally assassinate them. They're such a moron, an idiot, a fool. And a, you, you've never even met them. Like, it's insane. And our culture is moving toward that way. Can I just say... The church can't go that way. We won't go that way. We won't have a Christian witness if we go that way because our words are supposed to be carriers of something and containers of something. God gave the human race language. Animals can communicate, but they don't have language and they don't have words. Words have power. Here's the thing. Jesus said, we are going to be just as accountable for the words that we say on the day of judgment as we, as we are for the actions that we commit. That's really sobering. Matthew chapter 12. I want to look at this passage here because this is the Lord Jesus that said this. This is Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33. If you want to write down a note or I'm going to read it to you. Matthew 12, 33 says, Either make the tree good or its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. What's he talking about? He's getting ready to say so. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So here's, here's the first thing that you've got to see. In every person's life, 
there's a connection between your heart and what you say. If you have a born-again heart that's filled with the Lord Jesus and His Spirit, there should be a connection between that new heart and what comes out of your mouth. There should be. People should be, Jesus said it's like a tree and it's fruit. Well, what kind of tree is that? And they look at us and go, what kind of tree is it? Because they're looking for the fruit and it comes out of our mouth in part. How do we speak to people? What do we say to them? What tone do we use? Are we communicating love when we speak? It doesn't mean we don't tell the truth, but there's a way to speak where we're communicating love when we speak. Jesus said, let's read on down, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you, this is, this is the most sobering verse. I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. Every careless word. So we're, we're, we're becoming disciples in here. How many are okay? How many are okay? You're okay right now. Okay. Let's, let's just wrestle through this a little bit. What does that mean? What the Lord Jesus himself said, that every careless word that we speak, we're going to give account for on the day of judgment. What, what can that possibly mean? Well, A, it means that our words are important. And they don't just go into the air and they don't matter. They're important. What does the word careless mean? It, it has this idea of it being empty or useless, but, but careless is, has, a, is, has a nuance to it. And here's, here's what I think one of the things that he's getting at when he says every careless word. Look, every one of us, when we're in certain environments, protect what we say, don't we? We're like a lawyer. We're only going to say the right things when we're in polite company. And so the, the careless word or the word where the, the guard is let down is what we say in all of those other times when we don't have in our heart and in our mind that we need to be accountable in that, in that setting. So it's what really comes out from the inside of us when we're not in a place where we feel like we could get punished if we say the wrong thing. You follow what I'm saying? Jesus is saying those words that flow continuously throughout the day, things that we say about other people, things that we say about the world, things that we say about the things of the Lord, all of those kinds of things, that reveals, because there's a connection, he said, the, the mouth speaks out of the overflow of the what? The heart. So there's a connection between our words and our heart. Whatever keeps overflowing out of us. Now, we, we, we know that we've all said things that we could kick ourselves for after we, they came out of our mouth, right? I've said a lot of things like that. But the immediate response is, Jesus, forgive me. I did not mean that. That is not what I, that's not my heart. We repent, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from what? All unrighteousness. But the things that come out of us continually, out of the heart, and we don't repent for That's just the nature of what's inside of us that keeps overflowing and overflowing. I think Jesus is saying, you're going to give account for that because what comes out of your mouth day and night, continually, when you're just being you, when you're not under the spotlight, when you're just saying what you say all the time, that reveals what your heart is. And you're going to give account to that because that's who you are. That's pretty heavy. Here, here's, here's the good news for believers. The heart that's in you, if you're born again, is a new heart where God's laws are written on it and God's will is written on it. What we need to do as believers is disconnect our tongue from our flesh and connect it to our born again heart through the Holy Spirit and let him speak through us words of life and of blessing. What is the purpose of the tongue? Let me read you this quote from Leon Morris. He's one of my favorite commentators. He said, our words are a reflection of what we are, and they show what we really value deep down. We can produce from our treasure only what is there. 
What Jesus is saying is that at the judgment, what we are is what matters, and that our words, especially those to which we give no particular thought, reveal what we actually are in our unguarded moment. What is our tongue supposed to be? Why are we supposed to be slow to speak? Well, I think you can look at words like this. And James is going to get to in chapter 3, he uses this in a, he uses this metaphor where he says the tongue is a fire, right? So let's just imagine that our words are fire. That doesn't always have a negative connotation. It can also have a positive con- con- connotation. But let me tell you one thing that your words are not. They're not marshmallow. They're, you know what fire is? Fire has great potential for good, and it has great potential for destruction. The way that we let that fire come out determines whether it's good, it can cook our food, it can warm our house, it can do very good things, or it can set things on fire and burn them. Our words are like that. They are powerful. Life and death are in the power of the what? The tongue. And those who love it will what? Eat the fruit of it. In other words, if you realize what that means, you're going to make, listen, this is a phrase that I, I, I really would want to put out there, okay? Make, as believers, our mandate with our tongue. God made us with the ability to speak language. To me, I'm, I'm fascinated by language. I really am. I mean, it's such an amazing thing. Have you ever stopped to think, I mean, we communicate so many nuances of so ma- in so many ways in such fine um, detail in language it's incredible. That's why when you don't know a language as your first language, but it's a second or third language, like you miss a lot of that. If you have just learned a language, you miss the humor. You miss the little nuances of, but language communicates all kinds of things. Language is fascinating. It's, it's amazing. It's meant to serve for believers. Our language is meant to serve love. And it's meant to serve worship. Those two things, mainly. Now, obviously, we communicate in all kinds of ways. But we should focus on the power of our words serving love. Let me read you some out of the Proverbs. Is it okay if we just read through some scripture? Because God, uh, he, it must have been pretty important to him because he said things over and over again. Um, Proverbs chapter 10. Very powerful. Uh, I want to read some verses out of Proverbs 10. This is verse 8. I'm going to read verse 8, verse 11, 13, and then 19 to 21. So Proverbs 10, verse 8. Notice. Notice the, the contrast, too, between and the connection between heart and words. Heart and words. Four different times in these verses that I'm going to read, he connects heart with words. Verse 8. The wise of heart will receive commands, but a babbling fool, the Hebrew says, the foolish of lips will be ruined. So there you've got the contrast of the heart and the lips, the wise of heart and the foolish of lips. Verse 11, the mouth of the righteous is a what? Say it again. That's fine. Okay, so... When, when we read through these descriptions, I'm going to give you seven different descriptions of what our tongue is made for by God, what his intention is for our mouth and our lips and our, and our tongue, okay? This is the first. It's supposed to be a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. So I want us to think, could I say about my mouth and my speech and the words that I say that it is a fountain of life? Does it give life to those who hear or does it give death? Verse 13, on the lips of the discerning, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks understanding. And interestingly enough, I think he does it on purpose, but the Hebrew word there for understanding is heart. So there's the, there's the heart and lips thing again. Verse 19, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. 
How many have found that to be true? When your mouth is engaged and your brain or your governor is not, then it's just a matter of time, right? But he who restrains his lips is wise. 20, the tongue of the righteous. So, so what we just read um, is that wisdom comes forth, knowledge comes forth. So this is, this is where, let's go back to verse 14. So I'm, I'm giving you these seven uh, characteristics. Wise men store up knowledge, but with the mouth of fools, ruin is at hand. Um, so there's knowledge, there's wisdom that comes forth. Uh, verse 19, we read, um, verse 20, the tongue of the righteous is as choice silver. But the heart of the wicked, here you go again, the tongue and the heart, contrasting, the tongue and the heart, they're connected. The heart of the wicked is worth little. Why would it say that the tongue is as choice silver? What is, it, what is choice silver? Tell me characteristics of choice silver. I think there's two things that come to my mind. Huh? Okay, could be pure. That's, that would be the third one. What else? Valuable. It carries something that has value. In other words, it's not stupid. And what else about choice silver? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. You, you, have you ever been, listen, I'm telling you how to have a ministry. Come on. I'm telling you how to have a ministry right here. I'm telling you how to have a ministry. You will never go without a ministry if you learn how to control this and use it for the purpose that God made it. I promise you, there'll be people lining up and they just don't know why, but they just want to be with you. You don't flatter with it. But you give life with it. You give wisdom with it. You give beauty with it. You give value with it. You impart something to everybody that comes near to your mouth. It's valuable. It's beautiful. It's pure. All those things are choice silver. Verse 21. The lips of the righteous feed many. How many would say, that, okay, I'm, I'm asking you, are these things that you can, do you say this about yourself? I'm just thinking in, in your own heart, like, is this, is this the way my mouth works? Like, is this what my mouth does every day? You're feeding. You're giving sustenance to those around you. This is what God made, listen, believer in Jesus, this is what God made your mouth for. First for praise and worship. Secondly, for love. The two great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Let the fruit of your lips go up to him as a sweet-smelling offering. The second is like unto it, love your brother, your sister as yourself. Build them up. Let life flow out. Let choice silver come out. Let value and beauty come out. Feed many feed many. That's number four. Number five is Proverbs 12, 18. I'm reading, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. How many have ever been that person or encountered that person? Where you get in talking with somebody and they just like they stuck a sword in your gut. Come on, have you? I've had people that I never met before do that. I'm like, Seriously? Like you, you don't even know me, but you had to come up and insult me <laughs> and jab something inside of my gut. It's craziness. You know who that is? That's the devil. James is going to say in chapter 3 when we get there, because James, you know, he, these are themes that he repeats. He's going after the whole tongue thing. He's going, hey, if you say you're really born again, if you say you really have the life of God inside of you, it's going to do something to this. And don't tell me that it didn't do anything to that because I'm questioning now your salvation. That's what James says. That's what James said. If something happened inside of your heart and your heart's connected to your tongue, then something happened to your tongue. Or it has to. It must. That's why he said, you must. We must. Come on, what, 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 what are we about? The tongue of the wise brings what? 12, 18, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. 
Our tongue is supposed to bring healing. That's number five. Number six and seven, I'm just going to, I'm sure there's many more. Make your own list. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no unwholesome word. That, that's, that, that Greek word, that's what it means. It's unhealthy. Don't let any unhealthy word come out of your mouth. This is the Apostle Paul. You go, oh, well, that, that's just Proverbs. That's just Jan-. No, this is the Apostle Paul in Ephesians, the highest revelation of our being in Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. When he gets down to the practical aspects, okay, if you're in Christ, you're seated in heavenly places with him. This is how you act. It has an effect on what you say. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Nothing that's unhealthy, don't let it come out. He says in that same Book in chapter 5, don't let any coarse jesting come out of your mouth. No suggestive jesting. It's not what believers do. I know today they do it, but it's because they become disconnected with the Spirit of God inside of them who wants to take hold of their tongue through their heart because there's all kinds of brokenness out there that needs healing, and it's in your tongue. It's in your tongue. Healing is in your tongue. If we allow the Holy Spirit. You you, you want to have a ministry of healing? Here it is. It's inside of your mouth, behind your teeth. The Lord will use you every single day of your life to bring healing. Little ways, big ways. But you'll have a ministry of healing. You can give silver. How would you like to have an unlimited amount of money where you could just go up and bless people and say, here, I brought you this sterling silver platter and serving pieces. You're like, dude, really? Yeah, I've got one for everyone in the room. Like, what did you inherit? Or did you win the lotto? I mean, what happened? No. It's here behind my teeth. And the Holy Spirit delights to connect to it. He wants to give you something beautiful and valuable and pure right out of here. Hey, you you want a ministry? I can tell you that the church is hurting for ministries like this. There's people that silently suffer in the pew of every single church in this town and in this country. And God has all kinds of mouths sitting there with treasure inside. And they won't connect to him to speak it out and to give them some kind of healing word. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush. I'm not saying that that never happens. It does happen. But I believe it could happen a lot more. How many? How many with me? I, I want to ask you again. Do you want a ministry? I, I get amused. I really do. I get amused. Like, in, in Bible school, the whole thing, like, I, I want to be in ministry. Like, seriously? Do you you know how many ways you can engage in ministry right now? Like, you don't even have to have a Bible degree at all. You just have to have the Holy Spirit within you, and it's good to have the Bible in your heart where you can speak out those words. But he made our tongue to be an agent of healing and blessing. Do, Do you know what kind of atmosphere you can create inside of your home if your tongue is connected to this truth through the Holy Spirit? Do you know how you can build up and encourage and strengthen and impart life and be a fountain of life and give choice silver? Like, every one of us can do this, that can talk because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and He is longing to use our mouth He's longing to use the fire that the tongue is to warm somebody and to bless them and to melt the stoniness of the heart or to heal, be a healing balm of their brokenness. He's longing for that. Like we just need to connect with him. This is not some kind of special calling. This is what God made our mouth for. This is awesome. All right, so here's number six. And seven, this is Ephesians 4.29. Don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth. 
but only. Say only. Does that mean there's other things that can come out? They can, but you're not supposed to let them. Okay? Don't let them come out. Only what is good for what? Edifying. Okay, that means building up, strengthening, that they may give grace. That they may give what? They may give grace to the hearer. So your tongue has the ability, because Paul said this is the way every believer who's in Christ is supposed to operate. Don't let anything that's unhealthy come out of your mouth, okay? That includes all kinds of junk, hurtful things, worldliness, all that junk. But only such a word as is good for edification that builds up according to the need of the moment that it may give grace. Our tongues are made to build up and our tongues are made to give grace. How many like that sevenfold? This is your job description. When you go home tonight and you brush your teeth, open up, look in the mirror, go, ah, Lord, let this, let this be used for that sevenfold ministry from this moment forward. I'm not going to let anything else that's unhealthy come out of my mouth, but only that which is going to build up and give grace and minister life. You, do, do you think we would have an atmosphere in the church where revival would break out like in a heartbeat? Do, do you think that we would have to struggle? When we talk about love one another, we think this is some ethereal thing like there's a feeling or whatever we're supposed to have. Can I tell you something? If we would begin to speak like this, the feelings of love would break out everywhere. Because people shut down because they feel threatened. But when they're being built up and given gifts of silver and healed and given life, they're very open. <laughs> We'd probably even like each other more, you think? In homes, probably even like each other more. I, I roomed in Bible college with a with a Italian guy, and um, it was an amazing thing when he and his family would get together at the dinner table. I don't know if you've ever had dinner with real Italians, and I, w I would say his name, but I, I won't do that. He, he's, he's a good guy, but um, they would all at the dinner table be yelling at each other the whole time. Hey, give me that! No, shut up. Give me that. No, you shut up. No, you give me that. This is the whole dinner. I'm like, I can't live like this. Like, I, I don't want to visit you anymore. Um, give me my meatball. I'm going to go home. It's crazy. This is, how, this is how they live their life. This is called dysfunction. But we get used to it, and we think that this is the way that we live. And so we speak to each other in ways that are hurtful, that are destructive, that make our hearts have to shut down. Because what happens is you have to protect your heart so you shut it down, you, you close it off. So then there's not the, the free flow. How, how many know what I'm talking about? How beautiful, how beautiful it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, right? Psalm 133. This is where the Lord does what? He commands his blessing. Oh, God, we want revival, but we tear each other up every day. That's what Paul said to the Galatians. Beware lest you tear each other apart. See, James is going to say when we get into chapter 3, he's going over this again. How many like a preacher that's redundant? Okay. You're, you're in the right book. Because you know what? He's going after it. You know what James knows? That we don't get it because he said it one time. This is what he knows. This is what Peter knows when he says, it's no problem for me to repeat myself. I'm going to keep doing it because it's for your good. It's safe for you that I do that because you won't remember when it's said one time. So James is going to go over and over these same themes again because we don't get it. We hear one thing and we go, okay, well, let's move on. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. No. We need to see the fruit of it first. Come on. Let's get this together. All right. What is... Go to the mirror, say to your tongue, what is your job description? Then your tongue is going to tell you. This is my job description. I am a fountain of life. I bring healing. I bring choice silver. Okay. 
Come on. How many need your tongue needs to get a new job description? Come on. For real. You, you don't think there's power on this. This is, this is what it means. You know, I, Proverbs 18, 21, life and death, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. It, that is referring primarily to relational issues. It's in the power of the tongue. And the Holy Spirit wants to get a hold of our mouth. This is a verse that I memorized early on in my Christian life, Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. That helped me to not talk as much. Do you see a man who's hasty in his words? He just, this is what the Bible calls a babbler. He's just a babbling, babbling fool. There's more hope for a fool. Can I tell you in the book of Proverbs, there's not that much hope for a fool? <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's me. I better, I, I want to have more hope than a fool in my life. So I need to be quick to, quick to what? Hear. Quick to hear, quick to listen, slow to what? Okay, slow to speak, but when we do speak, how many have ever thought, can, can I just put this thought out there for you? Like somebody comes into your mind in this body or in your family and you're thinking about them and a thought comes into your head like about some quality about them or something about them that blesses you. And most likely that's the Holy Spirit putting that thought in your mind. And you dismiss that and you just go on and you think, okay, that, yeah, they, they really are. I really, I really feel that in my heart. And the Holy Spirit actually wants you to pray about the best way to go up and to speak a word of life. You know what? I was thinking about you today, and this came to my mind when I was thinking about you because I really feel this in my heart. This, how many know? This is not flattery. Flattery always has an ulterior motive. You're trying to get something from them. You're trying to sell them your used car. Okay? This is not flattery. This is genuine the Lord Jesus Christ ministering to his body. But he wants to use what? Come on, stick it out. He wants to use your tongue. And I was thinking about you, and this came to my mind, this quality about you that really blessed me. And I see Jesus in you with that. How many know that puts something in somebody? To know, it, it's most encouraging to me, if someone says something like that to me, to know, God, you are thinking about me. God, you love me. I feel loved by the Lord when he does that, like he's encouraging me. But it also creates a bond of unity between brothers and sisters, like, you know what? I do see Jesus in you, and I really like hanging out with you. I like being with you. This is not the way church operates most of the time. Can I tell you, we come into a meeting like we're going into a movie, and then we go back out again. Like, I wonder what was up with that lady with the big foo-foo on -foo the hair. Are you, are you with me? This. Wow. Okay, we're still going to finish chapter one, by the grace of God. Here's, um, here's Proverbs 17. I'm going to just read this, and then we're going to skip down a little bit. Proverbs 17, 27, and 28. Great, great verses. He who restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Verse 28. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's considered prudent. This is Abraham Lincoln who had his, one of his famous sayings that came off of this. He said, it's, it's better to remain quiet and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Why is there a connection between being wise and keeping your mouth closed? Why? Because we're not supposed to talk? No, because, listen, listen. In the same way, when I first got my first pellet rifle, how many of you ever had a pellet rifle? Come on, guys. Some of you have ak 47s Okay, we're not going there. Let's go. When, you, when I first got my first pellet rifle when I was a kid, and my dad was worried about me being a knucklehead, so he wanted to see how I'm going to shoot it, you know. 
And so I'm out there just kind of lollygagging around or whatever and, you know, shoot it out of the trunk of a tree or whatever. <laughs> that wasn't what he was hoping I was going to do. Um, he wanted me to be careful with that. Why? Because a pellet can put your eye out, boy. The reason that a wise man keeps his mouth closed is because he's, he's got a fire and he knows it's powerful. And he's pondering which way to aim it and what to do with it. If we, if we could see that. Listen, if, if, if we could see that. So once my dad could trust me, then he was okay with me being alone with my pellet gun. <laughs> outside because they knew I wasn't going to shoot the glass out of the house or whatever. If, if, if the Holy Spirit knew that our heart was, we're going to take this power that's in here and we're going to use it, Lord, to, to be the sevenfold blessing that you have made it to be, how many believe that he would empower us? How many believe that he would actually give us more words for people? I totally believe it. I totally believe it. All kinds of things the book of Proverbs says about the tongue. But the most powerful thing is what its use is actually supposed to be. If we would connect that with the Holy Spirit. Have you, have you ever prayed for somebody and just said, Lord, is there some word of encouragement that you just want me to give them? Just write it in a little note or just speak it. You, you don't know how that can actually be a blessing to somebody. It's a ministry. All right, slow to anger. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife. This is Proverbs 15:8. We're gonna we're gonna talk about slow to anger here, and then we're gonna probably close it out. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife. A man who's slow to anger calms a dispute. And then this is Proverbs 16:32. You've probably heard this one. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. This is Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Listen, listen carefully to this. Do not go with an angry man, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for your soul. Do, do you know what this prohibits? Can I, can I tell you something? The Lord forbids you. <laughs> Should I say this? He forbids you to marry an angry person that has angers out of control. He forbids you to do that. He forbids you to have close friends that have an angry spirit and are uncontrolled. He forbids you to do that. Because anger is destructive. And how does it come out? That fire comes out. And what does it do? How many have ever lived with somebody that had a destructive anger? Like, yeah, I have. Destructive anger. The Lord doesn't want that. Now, here's the grace of God. He can deliver people from anger and set them completely free. But if you're wise, you'll heed the words of Scripture. He said, don't, don't hang around somebody that has uncontrolled anger because you're going to get burnt by that. You say, well, how do I do it if it's a family member? Well, you have to pray. And you have to try to be the soft word that turns away anger. But you're still going to be in the midst of it where you're going to get burnt sometimes. You pray for the Lord's deliverance. And at the right moment, pray for the Lord to give you words to bring confrontation in this, in truth, in love. Say, you know what? Your anger is destructive. It shuts my heart down. It makes it nearly impossible for me to have an actual relationship with you. How can I help you? Is there some way that I can help you? Sure. But we need to break the cycle. There's lots of people who grew up in families that were destructive with anger, and they still pay the price for that. They still suffer from the wounds from that. How many know that that's true? 
Okay, if, you, if you've been around the block many times, you know that that's true. Here's the deal. The Lord says, don't, don't, don't hang with that because you're going to get burned. Don't, don't live in a burning building. You're going to get burned. This is Proverbs 29, 22. This is a pretty good sum, summation of, of anger. 29, 22 in Proverbs. This is what the angry person does. An angry man stirs up strife. There's always fighting. There's always strife. There's always turmoil. There's always fear. And a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. Sinful anger is destructive, and there's sin everywhere. See, this isn't the kind of stuff you preach on Sunday morning, right? This is truth from God's Word, though. So my advice to somebody, if you're hanging or dating somebody that has uncontrolled anger, break up with them right now. The Lord commands you not to do that. You're going to get burnt. You know what? You might be the reason. You might be the bomb that helps them get free from that anger. But you cannot hang out there. If you know somebody that's dating, somebody that has uncontrolled anger, tell them, you can't do that. They're a believer, especially. Oh, no, it's going to be all right. It's not. It's not going to be all right. How many believe that when we follow the ways of the Bible, our lives are blessed? Right. First question. Second question is, as we get ready to pray here, for real, how many right now want to sign up to be part of the ministry of the tongue that blesses, the tongue that's life, the tongue that gives choice silver, the tongue that is constantly building up and giving grace everywhere it goes? Yeah, God help us to be conscious of it. You know why? We live in a culture where the exact opposite is true, where it's always the, the swords that are stabbing and everybody's got their shields up. Okay, in the house of God, and this is what James uses in chapter 3, these things ought not to be so in the house of God. They should not be so. Our tongue, the Lord wants to empower our words with his spirit if we will yield to him. If we will yield to him, I want to make you a promise. I believe on the authority of God's word. If we yield our tongue to him and really get down. And sometimes it takes a little bit of consecration, a little bit of work to get down there and to correct patterns that are wrong so that when you say something that comes out like the jabbing sword, you immediately, when the Holy Spirit pricks you, you go, I'm so sorry. That was wrong of me to say that. That's hard to do. It's hard to do. This is how you break it, though. This is how you break it. I'm so sorry I gossiped. You know, the book of Proverbs talks about the whisperer. The words of the whisperer are like dainty morsels that go down into the innermost parts. What does that mean? When we gossip about other people, it's like eating candies together. Like That goes down on the inside of you. You know what? It affects you inside. When husbands and wives talk about each other, in the company of other people. Man, my wife's gonna spend all this money. It's like dainty, but they go down. It affects your relationship and it cuts off fellowship. When we gossip in the body of Christ about each other, we actually break our fellowship with each other. Next time you see that person, there's something that's happened inside of you where you can't be as close to them because those dainty morsels have gone down inside of your belly. And it grieves the heart of the Lord because he wants us, he wants, the Father wants to stand up on the rim of heaven and look down on his church and command the blessing. He wants to command the blessing. We're crying out for revival and the Lord's saying, what are you doing with the fire that I put in your mouth? You get that in line and I'll command the blessing. I believe this. This is super practical. Like this isn't the kind of message you hear at a revival meeting, but it's, it's revival preaching, though. Come on. We have to take away every opportunity for the evil one to use our mouth and yield it to the Holy Spirit. The Lord will command the blessing. He will command the blessing. 
How awesome would it be in a body of believers where everyone in that body felt secure and loved and comfortable and knew that nobody else in the body was gossiping about them? How awesome would that be? It'd be amazing. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for using our tongue for wrong things. Thank you for bringing your word. Thank you for emphasizing it over and over again in your holy word. The power that you've put inside of our mouth and our words. Lord, help us to get the fire aligned in the right way. That you may come and have a place where there's blessing and grace and silver and life being given everywhere. Father, forgive us if we've spoken against each other, against our friends, our family, our wives, our husbands, against our brothers and sisters. We ask you to let life be the only thing. Let Ephesians 4.29 be true of us. Nothing unhealthy coming out of our mouth, only what is good that will build up and that will give grace. Let that be a reality, Lord, even in this body. Father, we want you to stand up from your throne in heaven and stretch out your hands to this place and command a blessing. Help us to be in line with what you want. Let people be loved genuinely by you through us, we pray. Lord, I pray that you would not relent and that you would convict us if we speak things that we should not speak and that you would give us the grace and the humility to repent and to reverse it. May we would truly be a people of blessing who receive your blessing through each other. We thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name.